What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where each episode I interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight-up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. I'm your host, Brian Moore, and today I'm interviewing Luke Larson, the president of Axon, the company formerly known as Taser International. There's no doubt the news media has been sharing what seems like a massive increase in the deteriorating relationship between law enforcement professionals and the communities they are paid to protect and serve. An element of the story that gets very little attention, if any, is the way in which technology is helping our law enforcement professionals do their jobs better, especially given the fact that our world is being disrupted in just about every way imaginable. Enter Axon. In my conversation with Luke, he articulated the purpose behind Axon, to make the bullet obsolete. Think about that for a moment. Think about a world where law enforcement professionals do not have to rely on the bullet to keep order and peace. Imagine a world where technology can replace the almighty bullet with something less lethal and more powerful. In this very special episode, Luke shares the often untold story of how Taser, now Axon, came to be. We touch on stories from Luke's two tours in Iraq and how that experience has helped him in his role as the president of Axon, the evolution of a product manufacturing company to a software as a service and technology company, the power of assembling a great team and the importance of clear and concise values to guide the behaviors of everyone involved, and the way in which law enforcement is positively being impacted by technology. I'm really excited about this episode. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you Luke Larson. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Built on Purpose podcast. Joining me today is Luke Larson, the president of Taser International. Luke, it is a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for joining me. Great to meet you, Brian. We're really excited about being on the podcast. So thank you. I, 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 and, and that's probably the best place to start. I, I want to kick this off and first and foremost, say thank you for serving our country. And I'd also like to take this moment just to thank all the men and women in uniform who race to the front lines to protect our communities and our nation. So a huge debt of gratitude to you and to all the men and women uh, who, who are doing Boy, they're darndest just to keep us all safe. So thank you to, to everyone out there. Uh, you in particular, Luke, you did, uh, you did two tours in Iraq as a member of the United States Marine Corps, and you immediately went to work for Taser International afterwards, uh, assuming I have the chronology right. And it's interesting. I was having a conversation with some colleagues the other day. And specifically, we were talking about that we have such amazing men and women that spend time uh, in uh, one of the branches of our armed services. And then when they uh, leave their military careers, the ability for them to clearly articulate some of the transferability of their skills to a quote unquote corporate world can sometimes be difficult, not only for the individual, but also for the organization or the company trying to figure out, okay, how does what this individual did in their military career apply to what it is we're trying to do. And clearly, uh, at least it would appear from the outside, that you were immediately able to make that connection. Can you just shed some light, maybe, your thoughts around that topic altogether? Yeah, so I think that 
men and women who come from a veteran background have just a wealth of capabilities to bring to the corporate world. Uh, for my specific experience, I had done two tours to Iraq, and in some of those situations, uh, you know, the men in my unit, I was an infantry officer, uh, we were left with tools that didn't really meet the need of the situation. And so oftentimes, uh, I was left muttering in very difficult situations, there's got to be a better way. And when I got out of the military, I was looking, really looking for a company that had a great purpose. And I came across Taser International. I met the founders, uh, two brothers, Rick and Tom Smith. And these guys were really passionate about making the bullet obsolete. And for me, that mission uh, really resonated. And so uh, I've been with the company now nearly nine years, uh, and it's been an incredible run. Taser is most well-known for the Taser weapon. Uh, we've actually got two really big announcements that we're making. Uh, the, over the last eight years, we've really transformed the company from a Taser weapons manufacturer into a global technology company. And we're also the market leader in wearable cameras that we call, we, that's under our Axon brand, uh, and digital evidence management software. And we're announcing that we're going to offer, Axon is going to offer a free body camera for every police officer in the United States. And Taser International is also changing the name of the company from Taser to Axon. Wow, this is uh, this is some big news. I, I this is. <laughs> I, I guess I feel like I should be flashing something along the bottom of a a ticker if this were a TV program of a breaking news. This sounds like a really big revelation. Yeah. So over the last two years, we've really just seen this societal tension between law enforcement officers and communities, and that's what we do. We create technologies that make communities safer. So we're going all in to empower police officers to more safely and effectively do their jobs and drive important social change by making these body cameras available to every police officer in the country. That is that is unbelievable. Uh, one of the things you mentioned there, Luke, was that the purpose of Taser International, now soon to be Axon, is to make the bullet obsolete. And I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Um, that is a powerful, powerful purpose statement to make the bullet obsolete. Can you expand on that? What does that actually mean as, as you and your team think about that? Yeah, so uh, our, our vision is more ambitious than smart weapons, cameras, or software. Our long-term vision is to make the bullet obsolete. And we actually spent a lot of time uh, thinking through how we articulate that vision and what are the values uh, that we need to to deliver on that vision. And at our company, we're a very mission-driven company, and we've got six really crystallized values. Be obsessed, aim far, win right, own it, join forces, and expect candor. But I, I want to take a moment before I talk about the values and really explore why does a company exist? And one might assume, and might might even be right in some cases, that the sole purpose of a company is to make money. But at our company, at Axon, our primary motivation is larger than profits or products. Although these are both important and necessary components of a company, we firmly believe the best organizations create a unique contribution to society. 
The great ones are focused on something different. And usually this is something that no one else is focused on. And they're doing it in such a way that is so impactful that the world has to take notice. And that's what we think we're doing here at Axon with our body cameras, as well as the taser weapons. And so we're, we, we are a technology company. We are passionate about technology company. There's a million different technology companies though that look nothing like us. Um, and to explain you know, why we're different, I think it's really important to look at our origins. During the Kent State shootings in 1970, four unarmed college student protesters were killed and the nation was left muttering, you know, there's got to be a better way, much like me and my troops were in, in Iraq. And during that time, President Lyndon Johnson issued a blue ribbon commission to call to the scientific community, asking them to create less lethal weapons. And Jack Kovar, a former NASA scientist, answered the call. After seeing the local news clipping about a, a man stunned by electricity, he had this eureka moment where he thought, I could use electricity to incapacitate people. And so he spent a lot of time uh, inventing the taser weapon. And this was named after uh, the famous children's kind of scientific series, Thomas A. Swift and his electric rifle. And so Jack Covert, he did it. He invented this device, but it floundered in obscurity for about two decades until our founder, founder and CEO, Rick Smith, who's a, a Harvard undergrad, University of Chicago MBA, when he was just finishing up school, two of his friends were killed in a road rage incident right here in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, just off of Scottsdale at the Hyatt Resort. You know, Scottsdale's in a fluid community. This is a nice area. And two of Rick's high school football friends are killed in a road rage incident. And so Rick is got this same, you know, question lingering in his mind that society had after the Kent State shootings that I had after my tour to Iraq. There's got to be a better way. And so Rick picked up the phone and he found Jack living down in Tucson. And so Rick, in his early 20s, Jack in his late 70s, this is in the early 90s, uh, they got got together and really revamped the Taser weapon. And for about 10 years, the company uh, kind of went through fits and starts. And in the in the uh, early 2000s, they really released a, a weapon called the M26 that took the world by storm. And that's uh, where now tasers are nearly ubiquitous with most police agencies. That's uh, wow. I mean, the history of that dating back to the Kent State shootings and Rick uh, finding Jack in Tucson of all places, given that, uh, Rick being up here in, uh, in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, <laughs> that's, uh, that's serendipity at its finest right there. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. That's uh, a bit of history that, uh, I didn't even dig up and, uh, I usually pride myself on, on my research here. How well known is that story? Obviously probably super well known within the, the Taser International soon to be Axon community, but how well known is that story? You know, I, I think uh, if people do a little research on the company, they usually come across that the Taser was named after the uh, series, Tom Swift series, which is Thomas A. Swift and his electric rifle. And the Tom Swift series is really interesting. When you look into it, it actually was the inspiration for uh, several inventors. Ray Kurzweil, who leads up Google's artificial intelligence division, was inspired by the Tom Swift series. Um, 
Steve Wozniak, you know, the technical founder of Apple, was also inspired. So it's really kind of cool to think that this science fiction, um, you know, story inspired all these great inventors and has cascaded, you know, into bringing real products to market. And that's one of the things that we're really excited about at Taser is kind of creating the future. And so as we looked in the future, we wanted these values that would help us achieve our long-term vision. And so we went through and we created these, you know, be obsessed, walk with the customer as you transform their world, aim far, think with a, a you know, think big with a long-term view, win right, win with integrity, own it, commit, take action and deliver, join forces, act as one global team, expect candor, deliver with respect. Um, and one of those values that's just really infused in the company is this idea of aiming far. And so that's really looking out into the future and saying, what's the future that we want to create? And we view our job as to push society in, forward in ways they can't imagine. And we're really passionate about you know, using technology to map solutions to the public safety market. You know, it's interesting, and I, and I love the values. I love the purpose. And with the emphasis uh, of the aim far, which, uh, as you put it, think big with a long-term view, uh, I had an opportunity at a couple of points in my career to work with uh, companies that were publicly traded. And there can sometimes be tension, right, between the short-term expectations and the company leadership and the board being able to act in a way that really looks to the long-term. And given how ambitious what you are, you and your team are up to and pushing society to a safer place, balancing that tension with uh, expectations in the short run while not making bad decisions or decisions that could jeopardize the long term. Has that been challenging? Are, are there conversations that you and your leadership team have around that? How does the board align to that? I mean, that's a really, that's a delicate dance to, uh, to maneuver. Yeah, so we're really fortunate here at Axon to have an incredible board of directors. Uh, and being a public company, we certainly have a balance of how do we communicate to our investors and shareholders that these investments are, are going to pay off. And we don't think investing in the future is mutually exclusive to you know creating a, a great company. We think they're really aligned. And if you look at the best companies in the world, uh, you know, we think they share that philosophy. And so we're certainly focused on running the business efficiently and effective and profitably, but we're also very focused on investing in the long term. On our board, we've got Hadi Partovi, who's the CEO of Code.org. He was the program manager for Internet Explorer, you know, the first Internet Explorer. Uh, we also have Brett Taylor, the former CTO of Facebook who is now the CEO of a company called Quip that was recently acquired by Salesforce. And Brett and Hadi are really our technology advisors and really push us to uh, you know, go after these, these big bets. Um, and we have conversations with the board about what is the right you know, way to think about bringing these technologies to public safety. And with Axon, we've really thought about this as a network. And so we view Axon as the network that connects people and devices. And as we transform the company from Taser into Axon, the Taser weapons 
brand who actually live on. It's a great product brand. And usually when people think of Taser, they think of the weapon. And that weapon is now part of the Axon network, which is a much bigger network and a much bigger opportunity. So I'm curious, let's spend a moment on this evolution from uh, a weapons, a safer weapons manufacturer, my words, not yours, to uh, what uh, I'll refer more to uh, a cloud-based technology, global technology organization. And given that the company started back in, I think, 93, uh, and, you know, making this transition, there's probably a lot of institutional knowledge and ways things have been done. And to move from perhaps something that's incredibly tangible or almost solely tangible in the weapons manufacturing to a technology cloud-based uh, interconnected system, uh, I'm curious how that evolution uh, is being managed internally. How are how are you as the president and perhaps Rick as the CEO and the leadership team emphasizing the vision of where you're headed and connecting everyone to that so that it maybe doesn't feel as big of a of a leap as it might otherwise seem? Yeah, we really embrace change here, and uh, it's kind of fitting that our new logo is a triangle and it actually has a, a nerve cell in the center of it. Axon is, uh, you know, a, a, a part of the brain structure that connects the nerve cells in the brain. And so we view the Axon network around connection, but our logo is a triangle. And, it, and if you know uh, what the Greek symbol is for change, it's Delta, it's a triangle. And so that's something that's imbued to our culture is this idea of change. And we've really challenged our team internally to always be changing, always be embracing the concept of disrupting ourselves. And we, one of the things that we're really proud of is the management team that we've built here uh, that has really driven that change. Uh, we brought on Todd Bache as our EVP of devices. Uh, he used to report directly to Steve Jobs at Apple. He was in charge of the iLife and iWork uh, suites that really connected Axon's or uh, Apple's ecosystem of connected devices. We recently brought on Jason Hartford, who was the uh, product leader for GoPro. Uh, we have Kathy Trottel just joined us as our chief information officer, most recently of Tesla. And so we've just brought on a great kind of, you know, forward thinking tech team that's really focused on change. That's amazing. I mean, I was uh, in in what I the research that I did. I had found uh, a lot of these recent additions: the Apple, the GoPro, Tesla, Market Watch. You've really brought in some amazing talent, and I'm I'm super curious as somebody that uh, spends lots of time with leadership teams through the work that we do. Um, they clearly have this wealth of knowledge and experience and brilliance. And I'm curious, are you, are you and Rick and the rest of the leadership team that had been there for a period of time, how are you focusing on ensuring that the brilliance is uh, also uh, bringing, bringing the team together so that you operate as a cohesive unit? How are you sort of balancing the brilliance with the teamwork component, I guess is the best, best way I could ask that. 
Yeah, so two of, two of our values are ODIT and joint forces. And these are, in some ways, these are opposing values where you really want people to ODIT, commit, take action, and deliver. And I think that's really one of the defining measures of, of success and execution is somebody taking ownership. And it's magical what happens when you have people that are really execution-oriented. And we've got a very, very performance-based culture here where people are directly responsible individuals. They raise their hand up in there. They say, I've got this. I'm going to take initiative. And they're the owner. They see things through to completion. And that's why we've seen just tremendous growth over the years. Um, but that is also part of being one global team. And so we've got this idea of joining for forces and really to do the kind of you know complex technical work that we're doing uh, it's a team sport, and we need tight integration across the entire ecosystem, not only how we design and develop products, but how we bring them to market with how we market and, and sell them in and articulate the value to our customers. And so teamwork is something that's very hard, and it's much harder than it seems on the surface, especially when you've got a company scaling globally in 40 different markets with multiple technology stacks ranging from wearables to cloud to high-voltage electronics. And so I think the thing that really ties it all together, I think having a founder CEO at Rick is something that's incredible because, you know, he he had this very purpose-driven idea when he started the company, and we really rally around that mission and purpose. And as we've grown, we've now created this value structure where when people come to the company, they really want to be part of that team that is delivering on this mission and vision. I'm curious around the, uh, and, and I've never sold into uh, law enforcement of any kind. And I'm, I'm super curious around the evolution that is likely going to have to take place if it isn't already in the way in which law enforcement is viewing, you know, the wearables and the cloud-based connectivity specific to the cameras, uh, the body cameras, selling a weapon, even a, a, an electric weapon or a, a, yeah, an electronic weapon like the taser itself feels while perhaps somewhat different than buying a gun with a bullet moving to a camera and a cloud-based technology and um, that type of a mind shift. I'm super curious what you guys have been experiencing from the law enforcement buyers themselves and how they're thinking about incorporating technology into public safety because uh, they've probably been you know, slow to respond, not because they don't think they need to, but because of, I would imagine, funding issues for public law enforcement. Brian, that's a great question. There was uh, recently a, a groundbreaking study by Pew Research Center called Behind the Batch, and it really gave a look inside our nation's police departments and revealed, as you know from reading the headline of, of a, any newspaper, that policing is harder today than it's ever been. And in this study, uh, police expressed serious concerns about the resource limitations that they had. And they said, nearly in uniform, we're understaffed, we're under-equipped, we don't have the right tools for our job. And 86% of police said their department does not have enough officers to adequately police the community. 
And that's why we are making this free camera offer for one year for every police officer in the country. Uh, we think this is going to provide transparency between officers and communities. We actually have a, a, a groundbreaking new product called Axon RMS that we, be, we believe will be able to triple uh, the police force on the street by making them more effective. Um, we had a, a great experience. Me and Rick uh, were recently in Washington, D.C. We're actually walking down the street in D.C. and we're in plain clothes. You know, no, nobody knows who we are. And we saw a metropolitan police officer wearing an Axon camera. And I asked the officer, I said, hey, what do you, you know, what do you think of that camera? It was an Axon camera. It's really cool when you see these out in the wild. And the officer, you know, he doesn't know who we are. He responds, he says, this camera is great. I would not leave home without it. This camera increases, uh, you know, positive behavior with officers like me, but also with communities. It was just an amazing, amazing experience to hear that from a frontline officer kind of, un, you know, un uh, unprompted. Yeah. I mean, I think that behavior change is a huge component, both for the law enforcement professional, as well as the community at large. And I think I read that, uh, and forgive me on the date, I don't think it was too terribly long ago, but the university of Cambridge and a European think tank called, uh, R-A-N-D, RAND, did a, uh, a study in 2000 random officers, in uh, four different police units in the UK and I think two in the United States. And they monitored these officers uh, who were outfitted with the, the body camera and the decrease in complaints against the police when wearing them went down by 93%. And, and I just, what I think about is, you know, whether the complaint is a Freedom of Information Act complaint or some other type of complaint that's more serious, but to free up the officers and the law enforcement professionals by capturing what is actually happening in real time to avoid time spent on what might otherwise be frivolous complaints allows the officers to do what it is that they're paid to do. And that's the focus on the really serious issues that are happening in our communities. Absolutely. And we believe the police records of the future will be on recorded devices, not written by people at keyboards. And when we talk with police officers today, they say about two-thirds of their time is spent writing reports. And so this is not time that they're spent engaging with communities. And so really think this is a, a, a way to unlock value for all of society by giving them the technology that they need so they can have more community engagement. And our goal is to eventually eliminate paperwork, effectively tripling the police force, and that's going to be great for society because it's going to put these officers back on the streets in front of their communities. Yeah, it's a huge piece of uh, – and, and I'm a very uneducated civilian when it comes to you know the, the depth of knowledge you have and your team has in what law enforcement deals with. But I can only arrive at what appears to me to be a logical conclusion that part of the divide that has occurred between the communities and law enforcement is likely a direct result of the lack of relationships and connectivity between people being built and it being an us versus them where 
what you guys are up to if it can free up the law enforcement professional to spend more time building relationships and investing in relationships with their communities everyone will benefit from that at least that's that seems logical to me absolutely and we don't think technology is a panacea or a silver bullet but when you look at the way that technology has just been a part of almost every facet of your life, you've got to think technology can be part of this solution that we're seeing, you know, massive tension between police and communities. And we want to bring the company to deliver those capabilities to communities and the frontline officers. So as this technology continues to uh, just explode and innovate, I mean, are we, uh, of course we are, but how far away are we from you know, these cameras and the, whatever the next iteration of this technology can do to start uh, facial recognition and then leveraging machine learning and AI to in real time give the officer at the point of action additional information that may or may not uh, inform the the level of threat that may exist when they're approaching someone, whether it's someone they're pulling over or someone that they're just walking up to in the street. And this is a bit of a long drawn out question, but given what I can only assume to be, we're not that far away from that type of real time information. Uh, is the public going to start to freak out? And will the pendulum swing that, whoa, 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 this is a little too much like big brother watching every move that we make. Brian, that's a great question. And you know, just to kind of set the context, the camera is really the tip of the iceberg. And these cameras are capturing massive amounts of data. Today, we've got over six petabytes of data on evidence.com. That would be six million copies of whatever your favorite TV show, if it's Game of Thrones or billions. And that's actually more data than, net, than Netflix has on their entire streaming catalog. We've got more data on evidence.com, police video. And we recently announced the acquisition of two artificial intelligence companies. And the work that these, that these teams are working on is to automate workflows for our customers so they can provide additional benefits around automated report writing to increase effectiveness, put more officers on the street, search and organize evidence more, more intuitively, and automatic, automatically redact faces and skin tones and objects. So these are very non-controversial topics that we're talking about that everyone can agree on. A good example would be, uh, we recently, uh, you know, we had a lot of women's marches around the, uh, around the country. And one of our teams took a video from the Seattle Women's March. And to redact that video would take hours and hours of time to go in and manually do that. But with uh, a tool, we're able to go in and run a model that automatically redacts all those faces. And so it, it really increases the amount of time the officers have because they're not manually doing these processes. So in the near term, we're focused on things that are really, really non-controversial. How do we automate processes uh, that make the officers more effective? Uh, there will come a time when you know these things will become very controversial. We've, we're in the process of establishing uh, an ethics board that's going to guide us on how we think about developing artificial intelligence. It's really important to us that we have someone on that council 
that comes from a community background. So we're going to have technology leaders, we'll have legal experts, we'll have ethics experts, but we're also looking for community members that represent you know, minority and, and diverse communities where they have a seat at the table saying, how are you going to design and develop these technologies? That's uh, that's absolutely incredible, and just the 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 depth of thought that you and the team are putting into this being so leading edge is so critically important, and it just it makes me really happy uh, as one citizen to know that this is being approached in in. in <laughs> I can't think of a stronger term and in, a, in such a thoughtful way that, you know, given what will undoubtedly be an explosive opportunity to create revenue and value is being looked at with the same level of responsibility that you as an organization have to all of the people that you're serving. So kudos to you guys for really thinking through this. Um, you know, something else that occurs to me around the cameras themselves uh, relates to a video that I saw. I think it had occurred in DC and there was a police unit that had responded. Uh, it was like the last call of the day had responded to a car that had been in a, in an accident on a, on a side street or a freeway. The car hit a light pole. The car was on fire and the camera captured the police officers dragging the driver who was knocked unconscious as a result of the collision out of the burning car and the cabin of the car was i don't know what the exact temperature was but it was heating up and you know if the if the officers had not got there when they did uh this poor individual would have undoubtedly you know passed away from the accident and my point of this is in addition to the cameras changing behavior patterns for both the communities as well as the officers that because of the tension that exists, it would seem between the communities and officers, or at least what gets uh, you know highlighted in the news that we see is that these cameras have a real opportunity to actually shine and paint a brand new picture on all of the good stuff that law enforcement does every day that they just do not get recognized for. And frankly, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of bullshit because we need to be highlighting all of the good as much as we may, you know, uh, rip on them for the one or two bad things that happen. But we need to focus on the good as well. And you guys are a direct channel into highlighting that good. Yeah, we, we think these videos uh, are phenomenal and showing you know, the positive action that law enforcement does for communities every day. Oftentimes on the news, you only see the negative. And the story that you just shared about, you know, the officer saving somebody from a burning vehicle is a great example. That was actually our camera, and we're really proud of those type of moments. Um, so we're really excited about these two big announcements, a free camera and software seat for every police officer in the, in the country as well as changing our company name from Taser to Axon. Uh, the Taser brand will live on. Like I said, it's gonna be part of our, our Taser weapons brand, uh, but it will be part of the larger Axon company. And I, I, should, I just wanna make something clear as well. We think this is a win both for Axon and our companies. And like you said, we are a, a public company. We're a business, we're not a nonprofit. And so people might ask, you know, are you, why are you giving away these cameras? And we want to be transparent about it when we talk about it. We believe 
that the Axon Connected Cameras and Apps are so transformative, and, and we've heard from officers, they can't imagine going back on the street without them. And so we believe this is critical for society to put this technology in the hands of the people that are out serving communities. Um, and so we're making this offer with zero obligation from the customer, but we're so confident in our solution that we think they're going to see value in it. At the end of it, uh, they're going to see these transformative capabilities and, and they're going to come on our system. I, I, how could they not, right? Uh, I mean, if it's going to help them multiply the presence that they can have in the community, the free camera, which then leads to them becoming a client for the evidence.com platform for storage of the video and the variety of other connectivity tools and resources that you guys provide. It is. It's a win for you guys as a business. And clearly, you have a responsibility to your stakeholder community, which, of course, includes your employees, your shareholders, your vendors your suppliers, the communities where you exist like Scottsdale. And it's great for law enforcement. I mean, it truly is a win-win. It's doing things with that aim far perspective that you had talked about uh, having big impact with a long-term view. So I think it's great. I think it's really great. Um, I want to, we could probably go on for, uh, (laughs) I've got a lot more I could chat with you about, but I know we've got a, a little bit of a time constraint. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, at least bring up uh, that in addition to the huge responsibility you have, that you're an author. And the book that you wrote, Senator's Son, uh, is a a fiction piece. Uh, But I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that there's a tremendous amount of nonfiction foundation that led you to this book. And and if I could provide just maybe a real quick (laughs) uh, summary of the book, uh, and I don't mean to condense it into – uh, as short of a summary as I need to, but essentially it's a book that takes place 50 years into the future and an aging senator is responsible for casting the deciding vote on whether or not to send the nation to war. And given the time you spent the two tours in Iraq, I can, again, only assume that your experience is that in some way, shape or form, this was an outlet for you that allowed you to express uh, some very powerful things that you and your troops and and your uh, colleagues had experienced. Uh, Anything that you'd like to share about the book and what it's meant for you? Yeah. I mean, if somebody's looking for something to put themselves to sleep or to prop up their desk, (laughs) you might might use the book. It was really a cathartic uh, process for me, but it's something that I've really tried to, um, you know, focus that energy of, of what I learned in the service on, on our, our mission and what we do here at Axon. And, you know, one of the things that I really valued about being uh, in the Marine Corps was having a sense of purpose and duty. And that's what, that's what we here, have here at Axon as well. And I think we're a really special company and we're committed to every individual that makes up our team. And so we're, we're very focused on pursuing our vision and mission, but we also want to do it in such, such a way that creates a, a purpose for everyone on our team. And, and that's the core essence of life really is, is doing something that you know matters. And we have a book club here at Taser. We read seven, Taser and Axon. We read several different books. One of the books that we read was a book called, uh, The Wright Brothers about you know, the two brothers uh, who invented flight, the first man flight. And in that biography, there's a scene where the Wright brothers' nephew comes into their workshop and 
the boy assumes they're just tinkering on bike parts. And only in retrospect, years later, did this guy realize the historical magnitude of what he had observed. Wilbur and Orville building a prototype of the first glider. This is like amazing history. And that's what I feel like at Axon. You know, I, I walk into these meetings with brilliant engineers. Uh, we've got a phenomenal software team up in Seattle. We've got a great team here in Scottsdale. And, you know, when you talk with, with them, the day in and day out can seem very ordinary. But if you step back, uh, it's really just gives, you know, makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up to think about the work that our teams are doing. And we're a very unique company. No one else in the world is delivering the significant, you know, progress that we're doing in terms of creating these capabilities. And I really, I view part of my job is to communicate to the teams, not to overlook the importance of the work that they're doing. And again, the products that we're, we're doing, they're not a, a single answer to these very complicated societal problems like we saw in Ferguson and in the last two summers, or even the Kent State shooting, but we feel we can make an impact. And so we're very focused on how do we use technology? And there's been countless scientific studies, you referenced a couple, that show this technology can drive positive change. And that's what we're focused here at Axon is continually pushing society forward with alternative use of force options and increased transparency. Well, you guys have an amazing 2017 law enforcement report that I found on the Axon website. And so I I just want to mention for the audience out there, if you're interested in learning more about all of the details behind this technology and the impact that it's already having and predicts to have, uh, I'd strongly encourage you to visit uh, either the taser.com site, which you can link to it from there, or the axon.io site and download the 2017 Law Enforcement Technology Report that I believe was authored by uh, by the Axon team, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah, really, really great stuff. Uh, you know, I, I guess we'll leave with, uh, since you brought up the book club piece, uh, there's a great quote. I've had the good fortune of... Uh, not only reading uh, Simon Sinek's work, but also spending some time with him in the past on a few different occasions. And he's got a quote that I think will resonate greatly with you. And I'll, I'll end our, our chat with this, that he says, in the military, they give medals to people who are willing to sacrifice themselves so that others may gain or survive. In business, we give bonuses to the executives who sacrifice their team so that the executive can benefit. And I think given your experience in the military and your service to all of us, uh, as well as the responsibility uh, you have in leading Axon and Taser, that that kind of a quote felt uh, quite appropriate because based on our conversation, it sounds like you live that through and through. So thanks for the work you're doing, Luke. Thanks to everyone on your team that is investing in our communities and giving our law enforcement uh, a better way to do their important work. And uh, I just I look forward to seeing you guys skyrocket and continue to make an impact. So thank you. Hey, Brian, we really appreciate you having us on the show. And uh, in closing, I just say here at Axon, we think how you spend your life matters. And so we put a lot of consideration into the culture we're creating and the values that we strive for as we build the future. And, you know, our vision, as I said, it's more ambitious than smart weapons or cameras or software. 
Our long-term vision is to make the bullet obsolete, and we're just really focused on, on bringing that to life here. Love it. Absolutely love it. Luke, my best to you and the Axon slash Taser team, and uh, uh, just look forward to, uh, to seeing you guys grow. Thank you so much. All right. Great. Thank you, Brian. Take care. I hope you enjoyed hearing our interview with Luke. If you're interested in a transcribed version of the show or want to listen to more episodes of the Built on Purpose podcast, please visit yscouts.com forward slash podcast. If you'd like to recommend someone as a guest for the show, please drop me a line at brian at yscouts.com. I promise more great interviews are on the way. Thanks again for listening.